Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Amen. Thank you, John. Uh, So we've just completed a series on the promises of God, and uh, I hope that you've been encouraged by that. I know I have been. Um, And... But, 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 I would say that to say, but I know for many of you, if you're meeting with us online this morning, I know it can be quite challenging um, and difficult to engage with the church online if you are um, viewing us from home. Um, Tell me if this has been your experience. On a Sunday, you wake up and you've had a long week, you're tired. Uh, You may be anxious, you may be uncertain, but you arrive on Sunday knowing that Food Network just isn't going to fill your soul. (laughs) And so, you're looking forward to church, but the truth of the matter is, you you forgot what day it was. You forgot what time it is, like, haven't we all? And so, you join online, and you've already missed one song, and it's at this point that you're able to finally join in, trying to focus in, and your child decides that this is the time to play zoo. And she pretends to be a roaring lion, and her cage is actually between you and the TV. It's distracting. It can be quite distracting. And if you are watching online, chances are that's probably you right now. But for some, though, I wonder if you're distracted for another reason. I wonder if you're distracted because in this season, with all of this going on, and we had not been meeting for some time, if you felt disconnected from church, and maybe you're feeling a little isolated. It could be that during this pandemic, with all the things that are going on in this country, you've started to question, and you started to have doubts about the country, about life, maybe about your faith. And you may have comprehended the promises of God, but the promises don't offer easy answers for the questions that you have. And you're in a season of doubt. And maybe you've had doubts in the past. Maybe you're fine now. Maybe you've had doubts in the past. But those questions still pop up, and you've tried your hardest to suppress them, even though they're still there. You're hoping they would go away, but you're never really fully acknowledging that they're there. See, we live in an age, what people call deconstruction. It's where Christians are questioning their faith, and they're taking pieces of their faith apart, and they're trying to put it back together, and again, in a way that makes sense for them. Uh, There have been some well-known Christians, some well-known personalities that have actually left the faith. They've started questioning, they've started to examine their faith, and they've left the faith, and unknowingly, they've brought with them their followers, people that were questioning in the same way. It's, it's the age that we're in, and, and the story is a common one. It's usually people in their 30s or 40s, um, they're a little disillusioned with life, and they've come to question their faith in new ways, new ways 
that pat answers, simple answers don't, they just won't do. And their faith can't bear the weight of their experiences. They've come to a place in their spiritual journeys where they have lost their way. The best way to describe this is if you've ever been driving in a fog, but the fog is so thick that it's hard to see the headlights 50 meters in front of you. And you're driving, and it's hard for you to see the road, and you're just, you're just trying to hope and, and hang on. In South Florida, it probably looks more like rain, right? If you've ever driven through rain on the highway, you know what that feels like, where it's like almost you've got you to gotta slow down, and you just got to wait for this rain to subside, or you to slow down and hope that you don't get hit. And this is the story for so many with their faith. Their doubts lead them to, to take apart their faith and try to put it back together. But, but sometimes they don't end up putting it back together. And they leave the faith and the Jesus that they grew up following. This is the story of so many. And, and the numbers are actually growing. And for them, for the church, um, the, the way that they see the church is, is that for one reason or another, it's not the safest place in the world to be. Either because they don't want to bring their doubts and questions onto anybody else, or it could be that the church just doesn't address it enough. And so they don't feel like it's the safest place to address their questions. It's either, well, in either case, this is, this is how their story goes. And, and the reason I know this story so well is that this was my story. I can't tell you when exactly this period happened other than I know it started towards the end of last year. And being in academia, being a religion professor, I surround myself oftentimes with a lot of scholarly opinions, perspectives, many of which I disagree with. But, but some of them have asked questions that I've never explored before. They've, they've asked questions that I've never considered and when I couldn't find reasonable answers for their questions, it led me in a place where I doubted and I questioned. Now, I thought I had heard it all. I thought I'd heard every response to every argument against the faith. I thought I'd heard every perspective. And when I didn't have these answers... I found myself in this valley. I was questioning everything. And, and this wasn't a day or a week. This was a period of time. Now, for the most part, that period is behind me. And I praise God for it. But I can honestly say at that time in my life, I had lost my way. In the darkest of moments, I contemplated what it would be like to leave Christianity and the Jesus that I believed in for so long. And if you've ever been there, you know that there's no easy answers to this thing. But there is a way forward. So, so here's the thing. I never thought I would be in this place. I never thought I would be in this valley. And so whether you're in this valley right now, or whether you've never even thought about it, whether you're a doubter, whether you're firm in your faith, the stories that have come out in the news 
have definitely caused us to think. And maybe even doubt. But there is a way to go about this that is constructive, that is edifying, and it leaves us with ways that we can possibly grow. And, and so I want to address whether you're doubting or whether you're uh, firm in what you believe, this actually can serve the church and the doubter. Because the doubter is part of the church. And we'll get into all of that. Um, but first, I want to look at how Jesus addresses some of our doubts. And then I want to draw some conclusions uh, to help us move through this valley. But before we do that, let me, let me pray again and invite God into this time. Lord Jesus, this is your word. These are your words. And we pray that they would have new meaning for us, that they would resonate in our hearts, and that they would open our eyes to faith once again. For those that are believing, that, are, that have been faithful, Lord, I ask that you would stir them towards good works, that you would stir them towards helping the, the, the faith of some. And so, Lord, would you use this time and bless it um, for the body and for the glory of your name. In your name, amen. So throughout Scripture, there's, there's a lot of passages. I, I don't have all the time to get into that, but uh, there's, in the Old Testament, there's passages where authors like David in the Psalms would, would question and he would doubt God, right? And uh, you see this with other passages of Scripture. You see this in the book of Lamentations with Jeremiah. You see this, and it's as though the Bible were presupposing that we would doubt that if God's word is timeless, then throughout time, God knows and understands that we would come to faith and be a part of the church with our questions and with our doubts. But where I want to take us is the New Testament into the life of Jesus and even with Jesus, you find people that are closely connected to him, that are interacting with Jesus, and yet they have doubt. And it's not simply trust and obey. There are questions, real questions. So one such person is, is John the Baptist. So, so let's go there. It's in Matthew chapter 11. And I'll read for you the first couple verses. So Matthew 11 and verse 2, it says... Uh, now, when John heard in prison what the Christ was doing, he sent message through the disciples and asked him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Are you the one, Jesus? Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? So, so this is John and he finds himself in an unfavorable position. He's in prison doing the very thing that God had told him to do to preach the word, to preach a message of repentance, right? Now, what we find in the Gospels is some interesting background to John. So, so let, me, let me highlight this real quick. Um, he was a prophet who knew that he was a prophet. He, he had this understanding that I am called by God to speak forth this message, that he was to be the one to come before the Messiah to lead people onto straight paths. And he did so. And he knew in some strange way, that as a prophet, prophets are not welcomed very nicely, right? He 
knew Old Testament Scripture, and he knew that many of the prophets had been killed by their own countrymen for proclaiming a message that they didn't want to listen to. John also, he says that he was sent by God to baptize. So he had heard from the Lord that this was his ministry. And probably what's most important there, if you read John chapter 1, what what he says there is that he himself would not have known the Christ if the voice from on high had not told him that the one that he's now baptizing was the one of whom was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That God himself, God himself told, God the Father told John that this is the one. This is the Messiah, this is the anointed one. And yet he finds himself in prison and he's asking Jesus, are you the one? For real? Or, or should we expect someone else? Like, uh, maybe he was thinking that he was, he was the opening act, but, but that Jesus wasn't really the headliner. Maybe because of his situation, he just never thought that he would be in prison with a life sentence. It could be bitterness. Ooh, we don't know. But John comes to the point in his spiritual walk where we can say that he had doubts. We also see this in John, in the book of John in chapter 20. Uh, Thomas, infamously called uh, Doubting Thomas, right? Jesus resurrects from the dead, and Thomas, because he had not been there when Jesus showed himself to the disciples, comes later on the scene and says, I I just won't believe. If I I don't see him resurrected and I can see the imprints in his hands and the mark in his side, I'm just just not going to believe. I don't believe it. And then some time passes, Jesus shows up. Right? And uh, we'll get into that. But probably the story that resonates most isn't really a story at all, but it's a cry for help. In the Gospel of Mark, there's a father that goes unnamed, and he finds himself desperately trying to help his ailing son. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and the father's son is spiritually under attack. So he starts doing some sort of triage, asking how long has he been like this, right? And the father is testing Jesus' willingness. Like, if you can, can, can you do this? Right? We see that in Mark verses 23. Jesus said to him, if you can, everything is possible. Jesus responds. He says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, could you help my unbelief? He knows that Jesus can do something for his son, otherwise he wouldn't have brought him to him. And he knows at the same time, there's a part of him that doubts, that questions. And he's asking Jesus that that all of him would believe, not, not just part of him. And isn't that our cry? Isn't that some of what we ask God when we're in the valley? You know, some of our brightest theologians have said that we are all partly unbelievers until the day we die. And at some point, we all find ourselves in varying degrees 
asking God to help us in our unbelief. And, and that was my prayer in the valley. God, would you, would you help me in my unbelief? And I'm sure that that was my wife's prayer for me during that period. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. What I appreciate, of the, what I appreciate about the Bible is that the Bible had always been there for me. Those passages have always been there. And what I find so fascinating is that while the, the Bible doesn't champion doubt and it doesn't encourage us to doubt, it does welcome our doubts. It does invite us to be all of who we are, even with our doubts. And God invites us to bring our whole selves to Him, doubts in all. And we see that with these passages here with John the Baptist, with Thomas, and with this anonymous father. What is fascinating is that in all these instances, what we find is Jesus' response to doubt. In the case of John the Baptist, he, he sends word to John's disciples. Now remember, John's question was, are you the one who is to come or, or should we expect someone else? And what we find is that Jesus' word back was, in 11 verse 4, Jesus replied to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. So, so Jesus responds by quoting a passage from Isaiah in the Old Testament. It's a crystal clear messianic passage about what the Son of God would do when he showed up on the scene. And in a telegram almost to John, it's, as almost, it, it, it's almost as if Jesus is saying to John, yes, John, I'm the one. I'm it. There's no one else. And Jesus affirms John in his doubt, answers his questions, but he also ends with the challenge that, that blessed or happy is the one who, who doesn't see me as an obstacle to their faith. And if you keep reading on that, that chapter, what you'll find is that Jesus then turns to the crowds and calls John the, the greatest among women born. Meaning that amongst all the people that have been born, John is the greatest. That's quite a compliment, right? To Thomas, who, who doubted because he hadn't seen Jesus' resurrection. Jesus just simply shows up. He, he shows up to Thomas, and he's like, here, Th Thomas, put, put, your, put your hands here. See, see my side? Put, put, your, put your hands there. And, and he tells him, don't be faithless, but believe. Again, a challenge affirms him, but challenges him. And he says, blessed, or he says, you believe because you've seen, but blessed, happy are those who have not had the privilege of seeing the resurrected Jesus, and yet they believe. So, so all of us in here, in this room today, and all of you online, you believe, and you had not seen. 
and you're blessed. And with the father who needed help with his son and needed Jesus to help him in his unbelief, he does what only Jesus can do. He, he heals the boy, right? But, but this is not without some added excitement. There's some thrashing involved. The boy uh, kind of ends up lame, and everybody's wondering whether the boy is dead. But the boy, the boy is healed. Jesus did what he came to do. Now, in all those instances, Jesus didn't rebuke those that doubted. He, he didn't give them a, a Bible reading plan. He didn't give them a liturgical prayer, right? It, he just simply met them where they were at. They didn't have to be anything other than who they were. Doubts and all. And I think the word to us is that we don't have to be anything different. As we're in this season of doubt or questions or maybe even fear about the future, Jesus has seen that. And Jesus is willing and wanting to meet with you in that. Now, you might be reading these stories or you might have heard me and you might have heard these stories in the past and you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm glad he did the miraculous for the boy and his father, and I'm glad he could show up on the scene for, for Thomas, and I'm glad he could send a telegram to John, but, but he just hadn't done that for me. And, and if that's you, I get it. I, I, I understand. I've been there. I've been in that space. I wondered the same thing. And it doesn't mean that Jesus is not willing to reveal himself to you. It just may not come in the way that you expect. And while you're lost in this fog, it doesn't mean, it does not mean that Jesus is not with you. He will lead you through this. Trust me. He will. During this valley period of my life, I remember walking with my daughter. We, would, we often go out to parks. Um, for me, it just kind of helps me clear my mind. Um, and one day we were at a park, and my daughter oftentimes, at this point, earlier last year, she was, or earlier this year, she, she was learning to walk. So she could not walk the way that she's running today. But she, she would get to a place that is uncomfortable for her, and she would reach up to, to grab my hand. Right? And now my finger can, uh, like she can grab my finger. She didn't need to grab my whole hand. Uh, my fingers or my hand is quite big for her, right? So, so just my finger would do. And I remember going up this hill. And I remember as we were going up, like her, her steps were kind of shaky. She had never been on an incline before. And so I, I realized that with every step, uh, she started tugging almost as though she could fall. Now, the beautiful thing about me is that because she's just holding my finger, all I had to do with my hand was just grab her wrist. So I never worried about whether she would fall or not. I knew I would catch her. And yet, while for her, it was so shaky, grabbing a hold of my finger, I knew that I had her in my hand. Would she fall? And it was that experience that God used to let me know that he's got me. Like me with my daughter's steps, God was not afraid of my doubts. And hear this this morning. God is not afraid of your doubts. He's big enough to handle your questions. Right? God has got this. 
He's big enough to handle the weight of your doubts. And the reality is, unlike the stories in the Bible, though, you may not get an answer to your question. You may not get answers to your doubts. I haven't got answers, plausible answers for the doubts that I have. But what I did find in that season was that if God has me and that if I have God, then that's enough. I don't need to have these answers to these questions. That was enough for me. See, Jesus is in every way a good shepherd. He knows how to lead us. He knows how to guide us. He knows what seasons we need to be in. He knows what valleys we need to walk through. And for me, this is just one of those, this was just one of those periods. Scripture calls him the great high priest who has gone before us, who can sympathize with us because he was tempted in every way like us, yet without sin. It means Jesus was tempted in every way like we were. Yes, that means that even Jesus had questions. If you remember the night that Jesus was betrayed, he's praying in this garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying to the Father, right? In this moment of weakness, in this moment of humility, he says, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. This cup meaning the death that he was about to die, the suffering. If possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus is having a moment. And he's not questioning his will to obey. He's basically asking the Father whether his obedience would, would need to lead him to a cross. Whether the cross was absolutely necessary. It's almost as though Jesus were saying, Father, if there's any other way, if, if, if there's any other way to make this happen, can, can we just go with that? But there was no other way. The only way to perfectly display God's righteous judgment and God's mercy was through the sacrifice of his son. See, see, Jesus came to die so that you and I might be forgiven. That Jesus paid the, paid the price for the ultimate form of unbelief, which is sin. So that we could actually come to Jesus with our doubts and not fear being judged. Why? Because Jesus was judged in our place. It's, it's this gospel that brought me back time and time again through this valley. My questions remain, but the, the beauty of this story, there just isn't anything like it. There, there's no ideology. There's no re religion. There's no philosophy that, that could handle the beauty of this gospel. It simply is the bestest, goodest news that you could possibly ever dare dream to listen to. That God in his mercy would find a way to make us right with him. Why? Because he loves you. Doubts and all. So how do we respond to this? As we conclude, I want to give you a few ways that we can respond to the valley right? First, a word for the church. I think it's important 
for us as the church to create more spaces where people can share their doubts. Again, we're not championing doubts. We're not encouraging doubts, but doubts are there. And so we want to be a welcoming place for them. The world will swallow alive those who are drowning in doubt. We have to show that Jesus really does satisfy all of our needs and longings, whether those doubts get answered or not. And so reach out. Hear how folks are doing. Give them a call. Ask them if there's any obstacles in their spiritual journeys. And and then hear them out, but, but really listen. And then pray with them. You don't have to provide any answers by, by any means. What they don't need is pat answers to the questions that they have. But if you have any resources, you could send that to them. If anything, just have them listen to this sermon. And for the doubter, if that is you and you're in this period, I think what we need to see in Scripture is that in these encounters, Jesus meets individuals where they are, and he's willing to meet you where you are. Jesus affirms these individuals, but he also challenges them. Right? He, he, he presses them. Don't be not believing, but believe. We see that with John the Baptist, with Thomas, with this synonymous father, Uh, But the challenge is also to examine where those doubts are coming from. That you should question those doubts. In a word, doubt your doubts. And you'll see that these questions, though they're valid, they're not that they're not valid, they're not more valid than the faith that you hold in. And they're not more valid than this Christ who truly has resurrected from the dead, who truly is sitting at the right hand of the Father, who truly is praying for you and interceding for you right in this very moment. And so I ask you to bring those questions, the same questions you have to your faith, bring those questions to your doubts. Okay? Now, I've been able to come through the fog, praise God, um, but the fog still follows me. All right? I, I still have questions. I still have doubts. I'm not in the clear just yet. I don't think any one of us will be this side of eternity. And I I realize that I, I, and I've learned that my faith is constantly being taken apart and put back together. Taken apart and put back together again. And and what it's allowed me to do, it's it's allowed me to be more humble. That outside of Jesus, like, I mean, there may be a a different way of looking at things, right? Outside of Scripture, there may be a different way of, seeing Christianity, especially here in America. And so it allows me to be more compassionate. It allows me to be humble, and it offers me new perspective. The gospel doesn't change. Scripture doesn't change. The core of my faith doesn't change. But it gives me new perspective. So my encouragement for you is doubt if you must. But continue forward in this valley. Keep praying. Keep the Bible close. Keep those questions close, but your believing friends closer. And you will get through this. 
He is big enough for your doubts. He can handle them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are indeed big enough for our doubts. So help us to give them to you. Help us to offer you our questions whether we get answers or not and that you would affirm us that you are really near and that you really, really love us. But that this period may be necessary for reasons that we can't begin to understand. Lord, help your word to be close to these, to, to, to these doubters and know that they are welcomed just as long as, just, just as with everyone else. That we all make up your church. We're all imperfect and yet we're all your beautiful bride. And so Lord, we thank you that in those valleys, you help us. And would you do that for us again? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.